Thank you so much, uh, Natalie and uh, worship team. That was awesome. Could we do that song for communion at the end of the service? Can oh, I throw I that? <laughs> Would that be I throwing mean, you too much of a, a... I think you should do it. I think uh, we are doing if you mess it up, we won't know because we're okay. taking communion. So, Well, good morning. Good morning. It is great to see you all. Happy Advent. We've entered in that season. Um, I don't know about you, but I was going to confess that I have a real tension whenever the Christmas season starts. And, and that tension, I'm not making this up or telling a story, that, that tension is a real tension for me. I have it for myself and I have it a little bit for you. And here's the tension, is that so often when I, I have understood the Christmas season to be the season, the time, one of the times in all of the, the, the church year that we're meant to draw closest to Christ, right? Because it's his incarnation, it's, it's the God of the universe taking on flesh and entering into our world, and yet so often... On Christmas morning, and after Christmas comes and goes, I feel farthest from him because of the season. Because of the, the, the busyness and, and all the Black Friday and the shopping and all, all, all of that. Can you relate at all that there's a little bit like, I have not, that video that we watched, right? If you're sick of Christmas by the time it gets here, you have not done the Advent season right, right? I can do, I can do the Christmas season right. I can do the cultural expression. I can get the gifts and bless my kids and my wife and all of those things. I can do that really well and yet still miss entering into the, the, the essence, the meaning, the closeness. My, my expectation is that on Christmas morning is one of those mornings I'm closest to Christ and yet so often my experience is that I, I'm far from him. I, I've, I've been asleep in the light. I, I've missed his work. I, I've not listened to his voice. I'm, I'm harried and hurried and, and I was listening to an uh, iPod uh, um, uh, message from a leader, and uh, she was talking about this dynamic there, and she actually ultimately suggested the one thing that Christians can do the one thing that, that if we really want to enter into and not miss the essence of Christmas, there's one practice, and it's an ancient practice that brings us to that place and helps us not miss it this year. I was uh, sharing this concept and idea with our director of operations, Natalie Youngner. And she jumped in. She knew the answer. She quoted Buddy the Elf from the movie. The best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all to hear. <laughs> and I said, no, that, not even remotely close to what I was talking about. I was going to play the clip, but then I thought I'd make fun of her instead. 
Here's the, here's the, the one thing, the, the practice. If you want to really understand the light of Christmas, you have to enter the darkness first. If you want to appreciate how God is a God who hears our prayers, who sees our longings, that, that, that cares for his people, that actually arrives and enters in, then we've got to take the time. It's countercultural. We've got to slow down and connect with the longings of our hearts. I can put it in kingdom language. I believe the kingdom is already, but not yet. Christmas represents, Advent means arrival. It represents the kingdom coming, the king coming, entering into the darkness. If we want to understand the arrival of the king, we have to spend a little bit of time with the not yet of the kingdom. Our longings, our, our desires, the, the things that we're tempted to despair over, the things that we are, are hoping and offering up to God. If we're not spending time slowing down and being aware of those desires, those longings, we're going to miss the profound meaning of God entering in. You see, this makes sense because the, if you think about the first Christmas, for example, were they busy shopping and wondering was, you know, oh, I have to get little booties for Joseph and I to do that. No, they weren't doing anything. What were they doing? Well, yes, they were looking for a place to sleep, but something more significant. In fact, the whole nation was doing this. They were, they were, come on, come on. They were waiting. They were longing. They, they were aware of their desires, their, their deep longing. They, they were in the darkness. They recognized the struggle and the pain of their lives. And yet they believed in God in hope that he was a God who redeems. And they were waiting for the redemption of God in their lives and their world. You see that if you, if you reread the Christmas story, which I would encourage you sometimes in Advent, read uh, the beginnings of Luke and, and Matthew and enter into that. And as you read that, you'll notice in the story, there's this undercurrent of waiting. There's this undercurrent of expectation. There's an undercurrent of the darkness that the people are in. When Jesus was born, he got, um, Joseph and Mary take him to the temple to be consecrated and they meet two prophetic types and listen to the just the little part of their story first it's Simeon and he takes the the baby Jesus into his into his arms and he says this now there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout he was waiting for the consolation the comfort of Israel 
He, he was waiting in the darkness. He was hoping. And the Holy Spirit was on him. God had been stirring in him that the Messiah was coming. A prophetess, Anna, says, coming up to them at the very moment she gave thanks to God and spoke to the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. They're in the temple. The, the people of God are there and they are waiting. They are looking forward. They are praying. They are saying, God, help. We need help us. Help us redeem us in this way. Just one more after the resurrection of, of Jesus and, and the disciples don't quite know that he's resurrected. They're still disillusioned. They're still struggling. There's two disciples walking on the road to Emmaus and Jesus kind of fakes them out and pretend, doesn't reveal. He's like, what's going on? And they're like, how can you not know? And they're, they're telling him, well, this is what's going on. They're, saying, they're talking about Jesus of Nazareth. He's a prophet, powerful in word and deed before God and all the people. The chief priests and the rulers handed him over to be sentenced to death and they crucified him. But, listen to this, but... We had, we had hoped, we had hoped that he was the one who was going to redeem Israel. You, you see, there was this undercurrent of connectedness with what's, what's broken, what's not right in the heart and the soul of the people. And so often, friends, Christmas is about a different kind of expectation, isn't it? it it's, a, it's a busyness. It's not about the, the slowing down and, and waiting and connecting with our hearts, but it's the going after and preparing and preparing and preparing. And it's so counter-cultural that it's hard for us to do. So in our next couple of minutes, I want to do something a little bit different with you in this Advent season, okay? I'm going to do something that some of you might perceive as sacrilegious. All right? But don't walk out. I'll resolve it by the end. Okay? But we're going to connect with some of that darkness. We're going to wait. We're going to do what the people of Israel were doing in that first Christmas. And I just thought we can't have a candle of the Advent wreath lit while we're connecting with darkness. Is that okay? Is everybody okay? Yeah. All right. So we're gonna, we'll resolve it by the end. Don't worry, don't leave. But can we enter into a little bit of this longing and this spiritual darkness? Where are the places that we're longing for God to come and enter in and redeem? We're going to do that via a classic story of uh, Zechariah and Elizabeth that is how Luke begins the story. 
is with John the Baptist. If you'd like to turn to Luke chapter 1, we will have the the scripture up before you. I'm going to start at verse 11. But Zechariah, he was a priest, and he is serving his priestly duties. And he's in the temple. He's lighting incense. And he has an experience of Gabriel the angel. And as we read this, I want you to pay attention not only to the wonderful details that lead to Christmas and adding into our our journey in Advent, but notice the areas that Zechariah is waiting and connected to the longings of his heart. So verse 11, Luke chapter 1. Then the angel of the Lord appeared to him standing at the right side of the altar of incense. So Zechariah, he's doing his priestly duties. He's burning the incense and bam, Gabriel appears right next to the altar. When Zechariah saw him, he was startled and was gripped with fear. But the angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zechariah. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son, and you are to call him John. He will be a joy and a delight to you, and many will rejoice because of his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord. He is never to take wine or other fermented drink, and he will be filled with the Holy Spirit even before he is born. He will bring back many of the people of Israel to the Lord their God. And he will go on before the Lord in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the parents to their children and the disobedient to the wisdom of the righteous to make ready a people prepared for the Lord. Now, I could stop there, but then we would miss what I believe is the most humorous moment in the Christmas story. (laughs) Verse 18, Zechariah asked the angel, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man and my wife is well along in years. The angel said to him, I am Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and tell you this good news. And now you will be silent. And not able to speak until the day this happens because you did not believe my words, which will come true at their appointed time. So just a little side lesson, no extra charge for this. If an angel appears to you, believe whatever he says. Right? Yeah, don't ask questions, just got it, good. I think he's a little biased because like Mother Mary, she's like, how can this be so? I'm a virgin. He's like, don't worry. We'll take care of it. The Holy, no ramifications whatsoever. So, uh, but anyways, that's a, I digress from that point. All right. Now, did, uh, did, was there any longing? What, did you see any longing in Zechariah in this moment? He certainly wasn't busy shopping for Christmas presents, was he, this first Christmas? What was his longing? They had not been blessed with a child. Do you see this? There's this grand scheme, the, the most incredible 
moment in history, perhaps outside of Easter, is happening, is unfolding in the life of the nation of Israel, the the people of God. And yet Gabriel comes and he speaks. God is mindful of this very individual longing and pain and sadness in Zechariah and Elizabeth's heart. And their prayer had been God. It's, and in that culture, it was full of disgrace that they did not have a child. And yet God is launching this grand scheme of history and yet mindful of the individual longings of the hearts of Zechariah and Elizabeth. Now, I want us to participate this morning in this waiting and longing, but I, I want to do it first and foremost. Before we talk about our individual hearts, which we're going to do, I want to talk about it in a, in a big picture kind of way. And I want you to ask yourselves, what are you hoping for? Don't think first and foremost about your individual life. We'll get there. But in a grand scheme of things, what are you hoping for in this world that God will redeem in this world. Actually, Zechariah, um, he, uh, he sings a song, right? This is, this is kind of, Luke chapter one is, is kind of like musical theater, right? So uh, uh, Mary breaks into song, right? <laughs> Prophetic song. And then, and then Zechariah, if you look at the end of the chapter, he breaks into song, right? In this, filled with the spirit, he does this. And listen to what he says at the, at the very end. He says, praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He sees this. Not only was he longing for that individual, the, the child, that they would have a child be born, but he's longing for the redemption of his people, the people of God. And he goes on, he says, because of the tender mercy of our God. He was waiting for God's tender mercy by which the rising sun will come to us from heaven to shine on those living in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the path of peace. He recognizes the darkness. He sees it. He's praying into the darkness. Let me just say a, a word before we enter into we're gonna, I'm going to give you a little bit of time of prayer. We can connect with the longing of our hearts. We can uh, connect with the darkness and what we need to wait for in one of two ways. We can do that in despair. And we can do that in hope. All right? Since we lit the candle of despair... I wanted us to do it in despair. There you are. You're with me? Come on. Did we light the candle of despair? Absolutely not. All right. Can I just say a, a, a word about, about hope and the, and the power of hope? Do you know there's been studies that have been done with athletes? They recognize when athletes... Are, are, are fretting and struggling, 
compared to when athletes are filled with hope and anticipation. It's been shown in studies that they perform better, that they react better to the situations on the field. Um, uh, they, they also recover better from injuries. They, they've shown that in the power of hope. They've done studies with students that the, the GPA, the average GPA and, and, um, and how quickly a student um, graduates, they've connected that to being a hopeful student or, or a student with hopelessness. With the elderly that are sick, and close to dying. When they do the studies, they recognize the difference between when they do follow-up studies, that there's, a, I think it was, I'm trying to remember the statistic, it was like a, a 50% more likely that those that were in a hopeless and despair frame of mind were 50% more likely not to be around when they did a follow-up study. The, the power of hope is essential to the life of people. And, and so when I encourage us to enter and connect with the longings and despair of the heart, I want to make sure we don't do that in despair. That's not of Christ. We enter with the hope of Jesus Christ, the hope that God is a God who hears and knows and enters into, incarnates into those places of redemption. So would you think with me a little bit about the church, the worldwide church for a moment? Is there areas in the worldwide church that are in desperate need of restoration and redemption. Say, absolutely. You Would you think for a moment with me just about the, the persecuted church? Do you know that they're estimating how many people are martyred every year around the world for, for their Christian faith? It's not 9,000. It's 90,000 Christians are being martyred for their faith a year. Can we cry out to God in this Advent season for protection, for freedom? Zechariah's song, verse 74, he prayed this, he said, to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him, the Lord, without fear. Could we, could we connect with that global crisis of losing so many people of faith? Can we pray? Would we think for a moment for the Catholic Church? Many of you know, if you know me, I have a heart for the Catholic Church. I pray for the Catholic Church. I shared in the dismay of the, the recent revelations of the institutional and categorical abuse by the priests, in, specifically in Pennsylvania and Germany. There's a great temptation 
for me to despair for the Catholic Church. But would you join me in praying in hope for a, a fresh reformation from within the church, from within its leaders, that they would be drawn close to the Lord and transformed. I pray for the Protestant churches, and sometimes I despair in the division that we, we shoot our wounded we, we hurt especially the least of these. Our denomination here, Reformed Church of America, I despair sometimes over the, the lack of biblical clarity, the lack of passion for Jesus, the spirit of traditionalism. W would you pray with me? Some are praying for purity and some are praying for unity and I say yes. Let's pray for both. Would you pray for this church, Springs Community Church? There's three values that we keep talking about in our seven-year vision, sacred friendships and community, deep spiritual formation, and empowered and bold witness and evangelism. Honestly, friends, sometimes I'm tempted to despair that we're so far from those three values. Would you join me in praying in hope for the bride of Jesus Christ? Would you pray for the way it's facing persecution, the, the way it's, it's tempted to compromise from within? Pray for renewal and unity and growth in advancing the kingdom of God. Let me just say a few words about the nation. Just touch this really quick. When you look at the, the national landscape, is there any temptation to despair? Yes. Holy cow. Wow. Yes. And I would say, can, can we pray? And probably the biggest source of despair is there's so much fighting and seeking to win that we're neglecting the, those that are most in need in our country. We're, we're missing doing something to, to, to work with those that are in poverty, that are addicted, that are experiencing prejudice or racism or whatever, all of those things, the, the national ills, the immigration, all of that. And so would you join with me in praying for compassionate collaboration with our political leaders and our church leaders to make a difference in this world, in this nation? And then I, I think there's value great value in this Advent season that we would spend some time connecting with lingering in the darkness for our world and being mindful of the incredible needs of, of poverty 
uh, of, the, of the civil war in, that's, that's raging, uh, of the, the sex trafficking and the drug trafficking, all those things. Again, let me remind you, it's easy to spend that time despairing over all of those things. And yet, can we pray in hope that God is a God who hears and sees and enters in those darkest places, that Jesus is the light of the world, that we believe that someday he will enter into every area of darkness and there will not be a single place of darkness on the face of this earth because Christ has come. Can we just take a moment? I'm going to give you a few moments and lead you in prayer, in quiet prayer. Would you close your eyes? Bow your head? If you're not used to praying, maybe you're just checking out the faith, it's okay simply to listen and pay attention to the words that come across your soul. Okay? Can we wait this morning, Father, we turn to you and we want to linger for a moment in the darkness. Lord, we believe that you have created the church to transform the world. And yet in many areas, the church is limping and struggling. And so we pray in hope for your church. Just between you and the Lord, we either just listen or, or pray in whatever way he guides you. Father, we want to pray for our nation. We are so thankful for our nation, and yet we recognize in many ways our nation is limping and hurting. Our leadership is not unified, not advocating. So Lord, we take this time to pray in hope for our nation. It's between you and the Lord. Just whatever, in whatever way he don't ask you to pray. Lord, we take time to recognize that there's much darkness in this world. A world that you've created, that you're working in. Lord, we want to pray and lift up in hope this world that is so precious to you.
Lord, we're mindful that there's incense that is going before you in your throne room right now. And we acknowledge the incredible privilege it is that our prayers rise up before you and you are God who hears our prayers. Amen. Last year, there was a powerful study article called Dying of Despair by a Psychiatrist. And he observed the startling rise, this was in 2017, the startling rise of deaths from suicide and drug overdose. And he points to a number of long-term studies that analyze the difference between the high-risk patients who survive and those who die by suicide or drug overdose. And he wrote this, over a 10-year span, it turns out that the one factor that most strongly is predictive of suicide is not how sick the person is, nor how many symptoms he exhibits, nor how much physical pain he is suffering, nor whether he is rich or poor. The most dangerous factor is a person's sense of hopelessness. The man without hope is the likeliest candidate for suicide. We cannot live without hope. So now we're going to enter a little bit of a time in our own hearts and souls and just connect with the darkness. Again, we don't do that in hopelessness. We don't do this in despair. We do this in hope. Can we think for a moment about relationships? And what in your relationship are you longing that God would restore or renew or heal? Or maybe of us are struggling, some of us, in the lack of relationship. And we're praying for a new relationship a sacred relationship. Do you know the, the, the church calendar? Some uh, uh, denominations that are more sacramental follow closely the church calendar. Do you know the church calendar? Advent is different on the church calendar than it is on our regular calendar. Advent is not the end of the year. It's the beginning Right? It represents the, the start. So, uh, Happy New Year, by the way. Right? And, and it, it, it wants you to start not with champagne and, and parties and hangovers. It wants you to start the new year in hopeful expectation and waiting upon a God who hears our prayers, who comes and enters our darkness. That's how it wants. So as you think about your relationships and what area that you want redeemed, would you do that in a way? This is a a way to really start the new year in prayer, in waiting, in expectation for what God will do in the world and in our lives. I actually have a prayer for each of my primary family members. My wife, Kendra, relationship with her, 
and for all three of my kids, the prayer that I'm pressing into. It, pretty neat. We're just into the Advent season. I've already had answered prayer on some of those key issues, okay? Amen, brother or sister. But I'm going to pray into those relationship dynamics. At the beginning of this year, I'm going to pray through it the whole year, right? And if he fully answers those prayers, if he fully comes and enters in, then I'll come up with a new prayer uh, of that, okay? Um, also, I want to talk about your spiritual life. Can you connect in the darkness with your spiritual life, i.e., your relationship with God? Some of it, we're, we're really asking what's the, long, the, the longing of our hearts in terms of our relationship with the Lord. For some of us, maybe we're aware that we are lacking that, that passion or that fire for God that we've once had. Or perhaps we've never had that. We've heard others here. We see some others that have a passion for Jesus Christ. So why not me? Lord, is it what's going on? Could we connect with that in this Advent season? For some of us, there, there's this lack. We're, we're, we're wrestling in faith. Do you know it's okay to pray, Father, would you increase my faith in this new year? Would you teach me how to trust you more? Maybe there's healthy rhythms in our discipleship and talking a lot about healthy rhythms. We're actually going to start the year in, in uh, talking about healthy, biblical, sacred rhythms that we can live our lives by. I was uh, connecting with one leader and he gave me permission to, to share this and we we're talking about uh, sacred practices that, that help us in our rhythm of life and he shared this, that he had a, a mentor that he went to a, a physician and, the, and he's having, he's an older mentor, he's having issues with his heart and the doctor actually recommended one glass of wine in the evening. Good doctor? Yes. Uh, so what this committed Christian decided to do is he decided to practice the sacrament of communion with his wife in the evening. And, and so each evening he gathers and, and takes communion. And, and uh, this leader said, I wanted to do that myself. And so he's been starting to do that. He actually shared, he wants to grow in practicing the presence of God. He's a great leader. He's a doer. He does so much. He said, I really want to grow in learning, entering the presence of God with no agenda. Isn't that a beautiful desire? I told him I'm totally going to steal that. And then let me just say a few words about your soul. What does your soul need right now? See, again, the problem with 
the Christmas season is we become so busy that we don't pay attention to what's going on here. And if we're not paying attention to what's going on in our soul, we're going to have that unfulfilled experience Christmas Day. Right? So what's going on here? Friends, it's okay to connect with the sadness in your heart and soul that so many of us experience because of the friends that we've lost, the family, the loved ones that we've lost. Don't do it in despair. Do it in hope. We've got this great gospel that there's not all there is in this life. It's okay to connect with that sadness and bring it to Jesus. Some of us want to stay busy during Christmas because there's a bitterness for where we are in life right now. It doesn't meet our expectations and we find ourselves here. Friends, if we do it in hope, if we do it in trusting in a God who's a God who enters into our darkness, then we can connect with that and say, God, I believe just as you came this Christmas as you came so many years ago that you are a God who comes right now and brings light into the places of darkness. All right, we're gonna take a moment just to pray as we did before, but very personally. And then I'm gonna have um, Tracy Hiltz. She's gonna rectify the sacrilegious act of blowing out the candle of hope. And she will relight the candle and then pray for us. Go ahead and come on up, Tracy. Can we uh, bow our heads and can we pray together? Would you take just a moment to enter into that place of need in terms of relationship? Relationship perhaps with a child, an adult child, a spouse, a close friend, a parent. Maybe it's a need of a new relationship, a renewed relationship. Do you take a moment just to connect and pray before God? Can we pray about your relationship with the living God? How would he have you pray? Is there a, a lack of passion, a lack of that first love? Perhaps for some of us, there's no personal relationship with God and, and you want that, you've heard that it's possible. Would you pray that? However, perhaps it's a, it's a sacred practice he wants you to incorporate. You just take a few moments, just between you and the Spirit of God. Pray.
and our souls. Would you simply invite the Holy Spirit to show you the state of your soul? If there's sadness or bitterness, would you invite his presence to replace it there?
what our hopefulness in you will reveal. To your glory we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Elders, please come forward for communion. I love doing communion in the Advent season because it shows that Jesus is a God that doesn't just recognize and see our darkness, but shares in our brokenness. He didn't come simply to rule as king, but he came to be broken so that we might be healed. It was the night that Jesus would be betrayed, that he took the bread and after giving thanks, he blessed it and he broke it and he said, not only to his disciples, but to all of his disciples throughout all the ages, to you and to I, in this moment, he said, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in a similar way, after dinner, he took the cup and he blessed it and he talked of this new covenant, a new relationship, a new way to know and walk with the Lord God Almighty in intimacy and in love. He said, this cup is a new covenant. And it was in his blood, in his sacrifice, in his love, in his awareness of our brokenness and darkness and sin and rebellion, he enters in and takes the consequence of our sin so that we might live in a new covenant with God, God alone. If you are a follower of Christ Jesus, would you come? Would you partake in his broken body and shed blood for you?
Please stand together. He is the God of light. He is the God of consolation. He is the God of all comfort who loves you and sees you and knows you. And he enters in to those broken places to bring healing and restoration the body of Christ, which is for you, the blood of Christ, which is for you. Can we continue with that song? You've been so, so Would you go living in remembrance? Would you go living in hopeful expectation? Would you go remembering what God has done and how that is a promise for what he will do in your life now and forevermore? In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. God bless you.